Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's um, Tuesday afternoon. And minutes been an hour. Uh, let me see if I can do the Haftarah now. Um, it's a kind of funny take I have on it because um, today's podcast is being sponsored by my good friend, Dr. Stuart Goldman, my uh, foot doctor who now is retired. He's running books of scholarship on his field. <coughs> and um, it's in, we had a, a email conversation and he's, um, how should I put it? Uh, let me simplify, you know, he's a real liberal, uh, and he can't understand the conservatives, meaning, how can you ignore what Trump has done? Now that there's clarity on the accuracy of the last election, it seems prudent to me those people who supported Trump long-term of assessing and reframing the deal. And what about other things through the prism of history? And these are painful questions. And then he said, you know, similar things, how do people react after Madoff, Shabtai, Tzvita, Russian Revolution, etc. How do Republicans react after Nixon? <clears throat> so, I hear what he's, I mean, I understand what he's saying. Obviously, I have friends who are conservative who will say the exact same things. How can you vote for this guy, that guy? You know, we live in a time, that's much what I want to talk about in Haftorah. It, it, Stuart's, um, so first of all, thank you for the, for the uh, sponsorship. I'm actually out. This that's it. I don't have anybody for next week, so I hope some people will step forward. Um, but it's a very good question and it framed how I thought about Daftorah this week. And it turns out is is exactly on target if you understand how to read Daftorah, I think. Daftorah this week is Parshishis, and that's Yeshayo, Isaiah. And there's a big book of Isaiah with sixty some chapters. Uh, very heavy poetry, blah, blah, you know, really high-level uh, material, obviously. And I mean, in other words, in terms of, all, you know, Yeshayo with the lofty phrases and all the rest of it. I think I talked about it in the past. You know who um, subjects the Nevi'im, like Yeshayo, you know, to literary analysis, all the rest of it, Barbanel, in his famous and very controversial uh, intro. If you're into that stuff, if you're a stickle Moscow, you know, you read the 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 Barbados intro to uh, Yeshayahu and you're you're especially Yirmiyahu because he's down on Yirmiyahu, and then if you want a counter you know attack on that, then you read the Malbim's intro to Yirmiyahu, who's attacking the Barbados. Get it? Defending Yirmiyahu. That's old stuff. But in the context of what uh, Stuart Goldman was talking about, which is that you have two sides and each one doesn't want to understand the other one and cannot understand the other one, right? It's not possible that a normal person should vote Republican. It's not possible that a sane person should vote Democrat, etc., etc. It's not possible that a smart guy like you should believe in vaccinations. It's not possible that a smart cookie like you should be anti-vaxxer. You know, this business is not possible. And I'm in the middle in the sense that I know people on both sides. I have my opinions, of course. Um... But 
how can we look at this Haftorah today um, in, in the light of this? And it's very interesting. It's from Yeshayo. The book of Isaiah is very long. It was edited, I don't know, long ago. We say, the from say is edited by Anshagasagdola. The reason I mention it is because it's chapter 6. I know that it's Galatia chapters, but I'm going to use that. It's chapter 6. So in other words, chapters 1 through 5 precede chapter 6. Especially chapter 1. It's Chazon Yeshayi Benamot. that you say on Shabbos Chazon. Um, but Lemaisa, it's not chronologically in order. Our Haftorah today seems to be chronologically the first one. Because it's the inauguration of the prophet um, to his Nevuah. Which I guess is why it's the Haftorah of this week's Parsha. Moshe Rabbeinu hit the top of Nevuah this week. Ding, ding, ding. You know, he hit the top. And Yeshayo, although he's not Moshe Rabbeinu, he hit the top ding, ding, ding in terms of Nevuah um, in, in today's Haftorah. Because he says, as we all know, that, you know, uh, uh, I saw uh, Hashem sitting on the throne. So, you know, how's it go over here? So, this is a story that takes place. Yeshayahu, we have as the opening verse in the whole book, tells us that he was around during four or five kings, which would be smack in the middle of the kingdom of the south, the kingdom of Yehuda. He lived before, long before the Chorim Beis Amigdash. On the other hand, he did live through the time of Ashur. And so it says in the very beginning, Chazon Yishal ben Amos, Asher Chazal Yudah Bishlam, Bimei Uziah, Yosem, Ochaz, Yechizkeh, Melch Yehuda. So that's four kings, Uziah, and Yosem, and Ochaz, and Chizkeh. Uh, and the next king, according to Chazal, killed him. Killed the prophet Isaiah, right? And he was related to him too. So, what does it mean, Bimei Uziah, Yosem, Ochaz, Chizkeh? So according to um, our Haftar today, it means at the very end of the time of, of Uziah. Uziah was one of those long reigns. lasted 52 years, I think. I think for 52 years. And he's the guy that, uh, as you find sometimes in the Tanakh, he was from for nine innings and he went off the Derek in the 10th inning. I said it wrong. He was from for eight innings and he went off the Derek in the ninth inning. Shows you what I know about sports. Anyhow, because uh, he wanted to do the Katoris, remember that, and he got struck with leprosy. As a result, he was in quarantine for the last, I don't know, 15, 16 years of his life, something like that. And his son, Yosem, was the regent. So our hero, Yeshua ben Amotz, uh, was beginning to prophesy, according to our Haftar today, in the end, in the last year, of Uziahu. Bishnas Mosem of Uziahu. I bet you money there's some Chazal that say Bishnas Mos means when he got the leprosy versus those say Mamash died. Hey, I'm looking now at Rashi. Kishanitra, you know. I mean, it's such a Midrashic, predictable Midrashic, uh, you know, uh, uh, a commentary. You can figure out yourself. Okay, be, that's not important. At this point, he gets an unbelievable vision. But Eris Hashem, right? For Eris Adonai Yoshev al Kisei Rabbanisa Bashulam so he sees, now again, none of this is physically. It's a nevuah, get it? Everything we're about to talk about happened in a prophecy. He doesn't really, physically with his eyes, see angels with six wings. But right, that doesn't mean there are such angels. It doesn't mean they aren't. But he sees them in a prophecy. So nevuah is not like seeing somebody, you know, physically. It may be higher, maybe lower. So he saw God sitting on this throne, okay? And uh, again, 
it says in this week's parsha. Uh, no, it doesn't. That's coming up later. Vayiras el hey Yisrael. That's in Kisiso. But you know what I mean. Um, that he saw, you know, some Kais uh, vision. Uh, now, by the way, he may have seen. I want you to be clear about this. He may have seen a vision of what he what he interpreted as Hashem. Of course, that's not Hashem, <laughs> right? You can't comprehend in the vision. But he was given a vision by Hashem of Hashem. Did I confuse you? But I, I'm very serious. You can't see Hashem. But you can see a vision that Hashem bestows in you that looks like, in your mind, what you understand as Hashem. Obviously, it's some very lofty madrega, right? Beyond you and me a million miles. Shine. Okay. Now, what's the point? Bishul Malim is a heichol. And, you know, it's a very impressive scene. The bottom of his robe filled the whole temple or the heavens and all this stuff, okay? And the angels are over the place with six wings. And that's where we get Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. I think you're quite familiar with this. Now, here's the point I'm going to get to, especially in light of what Stuart was talking about. Um, what's the big, This is his inauguration as a prophet. Uh, I think the Barbanel doesn't learn like that, but everybody else does, and, you know, I think everybody else is right. Because the place was shaking, and this, that, and the other, in the dream. And then what happens? He says, Oi, I'm in trouble. It's very interesting. He says, I'm seeing a vision that I'm unworthy to see. Okay? That I'm unworthy to see. Why? And so are the people that I live in. So, how do you translate that? How do you interpret that? Okay? How, how do you do that? So you could say like this: uh, they they speak about Azar. Well, the prophet Isaiah was not speaking about Azar. Okay? He was a from guy. So what does it mean? Each time he's I'm looking at the parsha this year, the Torah, with a fresh eye, thanks to the comment of Stuart Goldman. Uh, really, really. So what does it mean? He's each time he's Yeshua doesn't work, use four letter words. He's not a cursor. Not too much of a sign the way we talk about today, you know, uh, uh, you know, cuss words and things like that. So what does it, what does it, what does it mean? Okay? What does it mean? Uh, you tell me that he said Lush and Har? That's interesting. Okay? That's interesting. Uh, what would that mean that he says he's a tummy of a sign? And uh, I'm looking down here. They say that, uh, well, you know, the angel's going to purge him with a hot coal. So, I mean... He did, there was something wrong with him, which is going to be in the dream, in the prophetic dream, I might remind you, uh, to be somehow or other, um, you know, um, burned out through, through, through harsh measures, through, through fiery measures. Um, now, where is this going? I'll tell you what I think it means. I think Ishayob, in fact, I'm sure it is, lived at a time very much like we're talking about now. The Jews were broken in all kinds of parts. As you know, that the kingdom was divided into two. This is taking place at the end of the reign of Uziahu, not too long before the north is destroyed. But what was the actions of the kingdom of the north? Um, oh, this is tying together better than I thought. He says, what was the action to the kingdom of the north in its last years before it was wiped out by Ashur? Uh, if you, I think you know what I'm talking about. There was a kingdom of Yehud and kingdom of Israel. And Yeshua lived in the south and King of Yehuda. 
And he's in the time of Uziah, um, Yosam, Achaz, Chizkiah. During the reign of Chizkiah, the north is wiped out. Okay? But to be more exact, it's in the time of Achaz that half of the north is wiped out. Because Ashur came in two waves. Um, one was by the next to the last king, I guess Pekah ben Ramayol, where they lost 50% of the, te- of the northern tribes. And then the rest of them was a number of years later, where the rest of the northern tribes were wiped out and carried off into captivity and never been seen again. And that was at the time of Chizkiah. Okay? So uh, in the north, it was King uh, Hoshea ben Elah. So again, round, I hope I'm not confusing you. If you know a little bit of Tanakh, which I hope everybody has a little on, all this is, is Pashid. Um, that, I mean, this is not Turkish history. Tell me, this is our own history. The uh, the last two kings of the north is Pekah ben Ramayo and then Hoshea ben Elah. So the Assyrians carried off half during one and the other half during the other. Why was there in two stages? Give them a chance to repent. Did they repent? No, they didn't repent at all. What shock didn't repent? It's the opposite. In the last years, and this is the second half of our Haftar today, by the way, in the last years of the north, what's the expression? They're re, re, you know they're 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 dancing on the on the Titanic. You know what I mean? Those they're, they're carrying on in a frenzied way when Corbin and destruction is facing them right around the corner. But it doesn't matter. Now, how how is that possible? Discourse was poisoned. Certainly, political discourse between the north and the south. Because the second half of Torah today is about an invasion during this time by the north, allied with Aram, to wipe out Yehuda. You know, Nalev uh, and Vakiana, it's in uh, chapter 7. It's, it's part of our Torah today, right? It says, Oh, you're good. Yan Kiyotzer, Nalev, Yehuda, Nikitseno, and Vakiana, Elena, Benamach, and Besocha, and Ben Tabal. That the. Uh, the king of the north, Pekob and Ramayo, and um, and the king of Syria, teamed up to go and wipe out um, what do you call it, the Yehuda? This is what you worry about. Asher is right around the corner. He's going to take all you guys down, and you worried about knocking each other. Out? Yeah, but whatever happens to me, Hitler could come tomorrow. But today, I want to burn down the house of the guy I don't like. Here it is. Vahib Meochus Ben Yosio, Pekob and Ramayo. They went on That's the second half of the parsha. So this is the Tumas of Asaim. I don't see the Mepharshim saying it, but I think I'm right. Um, which is all I can ever do. The Tumas of Asaim is the uh, in a, is, is the poison discourse, which Hashem doesn't like. Like I told you yesterday, the only way you can get to Ten Commandments is Isha Chabalevachad. If anything, the Frum way to interpret the rise of Ashur was the from way, was to say Hashem must be sending us a message, and the message is we got to stop fighting with each other and quarreling with each other and unite. Yes, there have been two kingdoms now for a couple hundred years, but now's the time to somehow or other patch it together. We will acknowledge the, the South this way, the South will acknowledge us this way, work something out, okay? Work something out. Remember, if you hold like the Rambam as opposed to the Ramban, you can have more than one king, Look it up in Hilchus Mochim. Just take it from me. Not according to Ramban, but yes, according to Ramban. So you could, you know, it, it, they could work it out, but they didn't. Instead, they spent their last few years on Earth trying to wipe out the Malchus Yehuda. Okay, um, which is crazy. Now, Yeshayahu, 
obviously, this coming from a culture where everybody's dissing everybody else is a poison discourse. And that means, at least as far as I can see, the Ishayo is living in a time where the from have nothing to say positive to the non-from and the vice versa. There were Jews who were idol worshippers, but I want to tell you, listen very closely. The idol worship at that time was the golden calf. The golden calf is a, is a crazy form of Judaism. The reason I'm saying that is, it's not so far gone, the right person can come and explain to people that, you know, like the king of the Khazars, that yeah, I the golden calf, which is supposed to be you got the right idea just going about it the wrong way. And it could have been possible to wean the north away from that. For your information, I mean, Chizkiel kind of tried to does that a little bit when he refurbishes the temple, um, when he becomes the king a few years later, and the north is literally in its last five minutes. You understand? And, a few, and he appeals to them to try to reunite and come celebrate Pesach, and a few people from the north listen. Most don't. Now, I get it that most people are too far gone, but you're not supposed to say you're too far gone. You're supposed to say you're not there yet. But Yeshayo says... I want to be a Navi, or at least I'm having a, a dream in which I'm being presented before the heavenly throne. However I envision it, because remember, God does not sit in the throne, and God is not surrounded by angels. He's got beyond your comprehension, blah, 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 you know, all the Maimonidean stuff. But nevertheless, this is a vision that Hashem sends. So it's got its significance. And in the, in the middle of the significance, he realizes, I guess because he's, he's elevated to a very high madrega, his own chisarin. Because he says, I'm Ishtami Sabasayim. And in the world of Emes, where he's holding it by this nevuah, you can't have a thing that a guy's going to be a Navi and blast the Jews and this and that and the other and cuss him out. And the whole shot of raising him to this madrega is to get past that. And the way he describes it, of course, very prophetically, where he says, an angel comes with a hot coal and burns, burns his mouth. Right? I'm burning your mouth. In other words, I'm giving you a new a new path. Which means you're turning over to a new leaf. For now, when you don't see anything uh, here. By the way, I'm looking. Rashi, Mama says this. V'sar v'necha, zeli yasrecha, Rashi says, l'chaper avoncha she'cheraftes Yisrael. Okay? You Cheraftes Yisrael. Now, what's she'cheraftes Yisrael? He means the north. Why was he Macharif the North? They deserved it. They weren't Avodazara, you know, all that stuff. No, that, that that's wrong. You see, because if you, if, if you're, to, if, if I don't try to figure out why you're doing what you're doing and try to establish some kind of a dialogue with you, then Hashem doesn't like it. Hashem <laughs> doesn't like it. Why? Isn't it right for me to cuss out the sinner? No, it doesn't work. Right? It doesn't work. Those who were successful in Kiruv know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you cuss somebody out, this and that, and the other, you tell them they're wrong. It may be at some level you are correct, but it, 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 it's, it's incorrect. And you lose a valuable insight by completely delegitimating the other opinion, whether it's Trump or Biden or anything else. You know what I'm saying? It's, a, it, it's powerful. Now, only when he's, you know, only when his mouth is burned... Once he's removed it this way, uh, prophetically, now obviously it means he's raised to such a madriga that he no longer thinks that way because a higher enlightenment, 
um, then he's able to to, to, to to announce for the other people. Now, wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not finished. What is the prophecy? Okay? What is the prophecy? And Hashem says, right? The prophecy is that a Chorban is coming and I am making it that, that this, course, this course will be poisoned. And so it will be impossible for people to hear anything other than their own opinion. That's exactly what it says. After he's purged, look at that Torah. After he's purged with the, the coal, for Eshmas call out anoyim merits mi eshlach mi eshlanu, but he hears God saying, now the mouth is purged. You know, who 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 shall I, um, uh, what he called? Who shall I uh, send now? Rashi says, as mi eshlach lahochiches Yisrael, who can I send now to be mochiach Yisrael? You see, the word mochiach, you know, it says, ochiach tochisam yisecha velosis alochit. That's a hard tactic, you know, to criticize somebody without, you know, poisoning the discourse that gets turned off from you. Uh, that's not so easy, okay? And uh, look what it says. Hashem You're going to come and, and, and say to them, now you could, the language here is very um, obscure. It just is. And so... I can't help it. I mean, the, you know, the Hebrew, I could spend an hour on this, and I mean it. Um, the, the language is very enigmatic. You know what that means. Is that like a command form? You'll hear this and you won't get it? Or is it predictive? Is it the future? It's hard to tell. But then what he says is like this. He says, things are getting to the point that the discourse is impossible. Hashmein leimamazeh, stop up the heart of these people, which means don't let anybody hear the other side. It's impossible for me to understand how somebody could vote for this guy. It's impossible for you to understand how anybody could vote for that guy. It's impossible for one person. Hashmein leimamazeh, oznu hachbeiv ein hosha, you know, close up the ears and, and blind the eyes, right? Blind, blind the eyes. So I can't understand how somebody like you can put on a mask. Or the other way around. I can't understand somebody intelligent like you, and you're not putting on a mask. Even it's like that across the board, and it comes across quite remarkable. Lest they do start to hear, and will get refua. And so this is a a. Uh, it's an enigmatic prophecy. Now, different Mepharshim explain different ways. You know, I'm aware of that. And, you know, I'm looking at the old Mikra Skidolis as I speak. You know, different ones be different ways. Different answers. This way, Rashi. This way, the Targumians. This way. But let's put all that aside. What is he saying? He's saying, you're going to tell them, and they won't hop. And we're going to tell them if nobody can listen to the other person. If they would listen to the other person, Levavo Yavin, Veshavu Ruffalo, they would get a Rafua. Right, and I and I say in the Nebuah, how long is going to, this going to happen? Right, how long is this going? To, now there are other ways. The Rambam has a way about the Hilchus I'm not talking about that. He says, how long is this going to happen? Until the Shoah hits. This is where you get the the, the, the word Shoah, the Holocaust. Until the cities are wiped out. Right. So in other words, they won't get it until the Holocaust hits. The Holocaust, of course, was Ashur. If you know anything about the book of Isaiah, 
The north was literally wiped out, and the south was tremendously devastated. Because after the um, Gullus of the north, Sanchev, the king of Asher, I think you know this, invaded the south for various reasons, and he wiped out the whole south except Yerushalayim, where at the last minute, a miracle happened. But prior to that last minute, it was a tremendous destruction. I've spoken about it in the past. You can go online and look at the Assyrians storming the city of Lachish. You can, archaeologically, you can see all the uh, details of how the Assyrians carried out these massacres, if that's what turns you on. Um, and so he's he's saying over here that it'll be impossible for the Jews to, to uh, even talk to each other. Which I'm afraid to say is where we're holding today. Can you imagine? I can't imagine there will be a dialogue between the Orthodox and the Reformer. I, I just can't imagine it. You know, not not really. Get it? Or between this group and that group. And, you know, within from Judaism also you have plenty of that. Uh, this inability to understand the other person is called stopping up the heart, blocking the ears, and, 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 and putting cataracts over the eyes. Uh, this condition that Ishayo is talking about, which he says leads to Corbin, to Shoah, I think very much characterizes political thinking and discourse uh, nowadays. Um, it's interesting. I consider myself a person in the middle because I have friends this way, I have friends that way. But I can talk to the guy on the right and I can talk to the guy on the left. But those two guys can't talk to each other. I can talk to the lady on the right and the lady on the left. It's funny, but they can't talk to each other. Isn't that interesting? And this is exactly what God says is the curse. Right? Shimo Shemov Lotzavino whatever it is. What I'm telling you is this is a very, very interesting and pregnant uh, parsha. This chapter 6 and 7 of Isaiah. And um, especially in light of the problems we have holding discussions nowadays. Nobody even tries to figure it out. Here, I'll just give you this is my own pet theory, one of many. Um, I'd probably go like water off a duck's back. You know, the person, for example, who uh, is feeling this way on the right and this person being left, they both want empowerment. They just see empowerment happening differently. That's that's my opinion. So, for example, it's a certain mindset. When you hear everybody has to wear masks all the time and be socially distant, for example, and get 10 shots, so um, one way of looking at it is, oh, so if... So now I know how I can avoid Corona. And if I do that, I'm taking control of my life. So that person, when they're wearing a mask, feels highly empowered. It makes them feel good. Now, on the other hand, there's another person that experiences that as the other way around. I want to do what I want to do, and they're telling me what to do. So by turning it down and saying, I don't hold from the mask, and the heck with the with the um, social distancing, I'm going to the next class and I call for everybody. I'm showing that I don't have to listen to somebody else's orders, and now I feel empowered. So both Reuven and Shimon are looking for empowerment because that gives somebody a, self, a sense of self-worth, but they see it differently. I think that's true in, in a, lot of, a lot of ways. The person that's voting for Trump sees it as empowering. You know, all this liberal uh, culture that's being forced down my throats, the heck with that. I'm a vote for Trump, He's going to abolish it all or something like that. Uh, and now I feel empowered. On the other hand, the other person is like this. 
you know, uh, we have to have, you know, certain policies for society to progress. Trump represents the Neanderthals. He's trying to block that. And he's a crook anyway. So I'm going to feel empowered by voting against him. You see what I'm saying? So you have Ruben, you have Shimon. Both of them are basically good people. Both of them desire a perfectly understandable desire, especially in political context, of you know, of, of a sense of, of importance and empowerment. Because you hate to be feeling like you're 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 a pawn being manipulated by higher forces, you know, and you're just like a what's the right word, you know, uh, an ant in in in, here, in in a tsunami or something like that. Uh, but each one interprets sees their empowerment through a different way. I'm am see this all the time. Uh, all I'm trying to say is the Haftorah today, uh, which is exactly what Stuart was talking about. Haftorah today is zeros in mamish on this. Now I haven't done justice to it because this really is a like a long shear. Uh, we'd have to go through pasuk by pasuk, and you'd have to read it with me, and you know I'd have to show you words line by line, and then you'd have to see how. What seems to be a non sequitur, because half the Torah is chapter six, the other half is chapter seven. The six and seven is just you know somebody, some Christian I put the numbers there, but nevertheless they're two different themes. So what's the purpose? Is it a sequitur or a non sequitur? It sounds like you know one is how Isaiah became a prophet, and another one happened much later. Uh, Yeshaya becomes a prophet in the last year of Uz, uh, of Chizkiyahu. I'm sorry, of Uziyahu. Well, then you have another 16 years of um, Yosem. And Ochaz with another 16 years. So this probably happened halfway through. So chapter 6 takes place, let's say, in year 1. And chapter 7 takes place eh, 20-some years later. You know, in the invasion of the south by Pekah ben Romeo and, and, and the king of, of Aram. How does one play off the other? It's a non-sequitur. So you shrug your shoulders and you say, well, Tanakh's like that, you know, a lot of non-sequiturs. Or you look populistically and figure something out. I don't think you have to go there. The Hashmein Leva'om, the Ain of Hasha and all that is manifested in, beautifully by, I mean, from the literary point of view, is manifested beautifully by the events of Chapter 7. That the, the North... What, you don't have enough trouble, you're fighting Ashur coming down the road. You got to go and attack and, and destroy Ochaz, the king of Yehuda. What do you got against him? Uh, no, we got to do it. <laughs> so Pekka Mamayel, the king of the north, he's got it on his, uh, you know, agenda uh, to wipe out the south. But wait a minute, the Russian army is five minutes away. The Chinese army is five minutes away. Hitler is five minutes away. You're worried about fighting other Jews? I hate to tell you this. If you look at Jewish politics... In the 1930s, um, as late as 1939, I hate to say this, the same arguments and junk took place five minutes before the Holocaust started, even though five minutes later, both parties were killed by Hitler. You understand? <laughs> you know, I think I told you, Chaim Grada has a book, I think it's called The Aguna, you know, where he talks about a big machlokas that was a certain town, but then he, after the war he comes back, he says, all the Bali machlokas, I see them all in a mass grave. Because in the end, it didn't matter. You understand? It didn't matter. So, um, it, it's a manifestation of the, of the inability to have an actual discourse. Because how can you possibly hold such an opinion? You know, how can you possibly subscribe, you know, 
to, to such opinion when empirical evidence is, is, is demonstrated that you're just wrong. And the other one says the exact same thing back to you. So um, it's a great question that Dr. Goldman raised. And those of us who are into history are into history because it's a humanistic discipline. History doesn't really study God. That's religion. Although you can study history and see the hand of God if that's how you want to go. Uh, at least sometimes. But history studies man. That's why it's a secular discipline. And what history shows you is man has a tremendous uh, range of potential from the very great to the very dumb, from the very smart to the very dumb, from the very good to the very bad. And we see the extremes. Um, the the, the Haftorah today with Yeshayol, in my opinion, um, reflects this in, in a remarkable way. This uh, notion of uh, stopping up the ears and don't listen to what the other one says. Anyway, that's my two cents on this. I want to thank, once again, Dr. Goldman for sponsoring. And I hope uh, we'll find a sponsor next week for different podcasts. And with that, I wish you a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.com dot rabbi david katz dot com